This is the Accounting Influencers Podcast with Rob Brown and Martin Bissett. With Rob Brown and Martin Bissett. And thank you to our special sponsors, iris.co.uk. Martin, you saw a great video just recently from Iris, didn't you? Yeah, well, I think people don't know Iris is they were ahead of the game for MTD phase one because they were the first software there to be listed as approved by the HMRC TD filing. And guess what? They're fully prepared for the next. So they've got an MTD webinar on demand that you can catch up with at any time. Rob, where do they go to to see this? It's iris.co.uk forward slash MTD webinar. That stands for making tax digital for our international listeners. And there's some great stuff there that you need to know to guide you through the whole making tax digital initiative. So iris.co.uk forward slash MTD webinar. Right, Martin? That's right. So wherever you are in your journey, Iris know that they have the knowledge and tools to help you in the next steps. That's iris.co.uk forward slash MTD webinar. Welcome to our expert interview for this week. I'm thrilled to have with me from Fathom, it's Darren Glanville. Darren, good day to you. Hey Rob, good to uh, good to be catching up with you today. Nice to see you again. Darren, for people I haven't come across, you tell us about your background and your areas of expertise. Wow, where do I start? Um, so, so a lot of people will recognise me from the industry. I've been around for twenty odd years now. My, I started my journey back in uh, the early two thousands with uh, Solution Six before moving on to Sage, CCH. Uh, more recently, I was at Zero uh, in its very early days uh, up until twenty fourteen. Then moved to the ecosystem. I've worked in practice prior to joining Fathom for about three years and then joined Fathom in November 20. And you've seen the accounting fintech software industry evolve over the years. These are interesting times, aren't they, for fintech and software? Absolutely. I think there's no better time to really be an accountant. We've not had the level of technology that we've had previously. I think there are so many opportunities out there for firms. I think there's so many small businesses that are passionate about what they do. They're looking for great advisors. When I think back over over my years and and working with many practices uh, about how to transform their back-end systems and processes through things like practice management, accounts and tax systems, through to how we can really change and transform that client side through distributed architecture and, and data through tools like Xero and QBO. Um, through to now, you know, how can we really position advisors at the forefront of those relationships? Um, so I think there's no better time for, for us to be an accountant. As an accountant is one thing, but in the fintech software industry, serving those accountants, there's a lot going on there too, isn't there? Oh, huge. I think, uh, again, you know, for many years, it was it was the realm of the big boys um, when we look at that. And now, you know, someone who can really take an opportunity, see a problem, um, you know, come up with a great idea, get funding, um, go to market, get investment, grow and scale those businesses. I think it's a really exciting time. We saw that again, you know, Zero did that back in 2006, 2007. Look at the size of where they are now. Look at some of the others that have come onto the horizon over the past five or six years that have really gone on to develop some great software that all is designed to, to make the lives of accountants and small businesses easier. And FinTech is a great space to be in. I think, you know, we're challenging the norms, we're challenging the status quo. We're solving those problems. We're making it easier for customers to get paid. Uh, we're making it easier for people to understand their business numbers, to plan for the future. It's it's a great time to be involved in fintech. So, Fathom, we're an international company. We're an international podcast, Darren. You're all over the world. Tell us a little bit about what Fathom do. We've been around since 2010. We, we probably hit the ecosystem uh, in 2012, and, and we've just been building out a, a company since then. 
Um, I suppose most people know of Fathom as a reporting tool, but this, there's just so much breadth and depth to Fathom as an application. Uh, we do KPIs, we, we do visual analysis. We're very visual in terms of the outputs that we do. Um, that's very key to what we do as an organization. Um, ultimately, our purpose as an organization is to give clarity and confidence to anyone who's a courageous business owner. Um, and that's really our purpose in life is, is to do that. Um, we've grown steadily over that time. We've, we've obviously have a, a base in the UK now. We have an office in Seattle, but being primarily headquartered out in Brisbane, Australia, um, also introduces us to a whole raft of other communities, other customers in different geos. We have globally around something like 60,000 customers in 170 odd countries. So we've been growing very steadily over that time. Our mission really is to, is to demystify those numbers and, and allow accountants to have deeper conversations with those clients and, and really pull that confidence from, you know, understanding their numbers better. I hark back, I mean, why, do, why is this so important for me? I remember reading an article, and I think we, we may have spoken about this before, Rob. I remember seeing a publication back in 2003, I was working with Sage at the time, and we'd just done an event and, and someone had literally left um, a small report, a printed report, on the side of our exhibition table and it was called the profitable and sustainable practice it was a publication by the icaw and bearing in mind this is 2003 it was actually published in 2001 initially i read it in 2003 and i just started flicking through it and, and seeing some of the it was almost prophetic in in the way that it came out because it looked you know we just emerged from the dot-com bubble of the two, early 2000s you can still search for it on the internet which is good so i, I would urge people to read it for, for a little bit of nostalgia but in there, it talked about the rise of the use of the internet, how data would be distributed, how accountants and clients would, would work together in the same data. This is 2003. And one of the things it said in there that really struck with me was that firm, the firm of the future should be looking to de derive 60 to 70% of its income from type two or value added services. And that really struck a chord with me that even though we were talking about practice management systems and getting people you know, filling in timesheets and, and producing accounts and compliance work, there was this, still this option for them to go further to really embed themselves as those advisors. And I suppose that's what started on my journey of looking at then, you know, how can I work with accountants to address the client side? How do we make that process a little bit bigger? So the opportunity then to come and work with somebody like Zero, for example, was too, too good a pull. Um, we were certainly selling a transformative approach at the time back in 2010, um, a very different approach. But still, if we can use that time more effectively, if we can process more work because we can access the data, we had awesome tools like for the first time bank feeds coming through and streamlining that process. And every small business I'd ever spoken to had hated doing bank rec. You know, working then through to the rise of people like Receipt Bank slash Dext as they are now, um, automating that. What could firms do with that extra time, that extra capacity? How could they really help them? And that's where I saw the rise of tools like Fathom and others that could really step into that process and, and help them. And I think that transforms into what we've seen over the last five or six years with firms really drifting into that digital space and calling themselves digital and becoming digitized and doing things in a very, very different way. I think that's that's what I find most exciting about it. Give us a flavor of the reporting space, because that's come on an awful lot. As you say, Fathom's more than a reporting tool now, but that whole ecosystem has evolved, hasn't it? Look, yeah, I think it's, without a shadow of a doubt, it's one of the most hotly contested spaces. There's there's so many providers, which I think in one way is, is, is testimony to there being a problem to solve. There are people in there. I, th I think that the difference is, is that people have a different outlook on what they should be doing. We ourselves probably see ourselves as a little bit more premium. And I think 
you know, I, I kind of look back to using tools like Zero. I know Zero have just updated their reporting center, which is great. We're getting great additions coming through. They've, they've recently announced um, some of the analysis tools that are coming in there, which are giving people an idea. Not every business owner, and this, again, pulling on my, my practice experience, when we used to have conversations with clients, not every client would understand the P&L the balance sheet. It, it, it almost gave them, you know, hives just thinking about it. And the more we could we could turn that into a visual component, the better it was. Um, and I still remember talking to firms when I was at Zero, saying, "Hey, you've got the management reports in Zero. All you need to start doing to start people on that journey is just adding some commentary." I'll come back onto that because I think that's a really important point. But it was it was hardly ever used. There was a very very few firms would actually do it or do it well. So I think there is a problem there. We want to digest this information and present it. Um, we all do things in different ways. We're all good products. I think it ultimately comes back to how we value those clients and, and do we want to put uh, a premium, if we're selling a premium service, do we want to put a premium service in front of those clients um, that ultimately translates that? Um, I think there's, there's, there's other things as well we need to think about is, is how are our clients going to consume that information? Not every client wants to see it on a dashboard on a big screen. Some clients still prefer that aesthetic, that tactile approach of touching a report and seeing a report in their hands. But if we're going to produce that kind of stuff and those outputs, let's make it extra special. Let's not print it on, um, and dare I say it, 80 GSM paper out of the printer. Put it on slightly thicker paper. Put it on a gloss paper print. If you're going to show a chart, make it so that when you hand that to the client, the client touches it and that moment of, oh, wow, this is valuable. They don't just feel that they're getting numbers thrown at them. They're actually getting a condensed insights wisdom. And I think that's that's sadly where a lot of firms are going wrong is that they're selling the output of data and not selling wisdom. And I think there's a whole piece there that, that firms can really improve on. Those that are doing it are doing it exceptionally well. You're talking about some really interesting things here, Darren. And yes, accounting practitioners in the age of advisory, we know this downward pressure on compliance fees and the evaporation of that revenue stream for them. But we've been talking about this for a long time with accountants, haven't we? Would they nearly really need to get a grip on the reporting, start to tell the stories behind the numbers and add proper value to clients? Is that turning as fast as you want to that ship? There are, there are a couple of answers to that. I think one is it, it depends on where the firm is on their digital journey. I think for some firms who really want to take it to the next level, there are some considerations. I think one is who can deliver the service? Within that, there's, there's things like recruitment, retention of staff, training of staff, learning and development. That's the individual accountant, the talent that you've got, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And I think, I think, but I also think there's an education there as well. I think, you know, traditionally, because of the, the, the race to the bottom in terms of compliance, you know, you have to have a really super efficient compliance process in order for you to drive advisory. I really get et up when I hear this, people say, oh, compliance is dead. It's not. It's, it's, it's living, breathing. It's the fundamental bread and butter of every practice. The, the challenge then becomes of how do we shift out of the compliance, out of that deadline-focused approach into planning, execution? Um, how do we start to then embed advisory and how do we then start to do that with reports? So I think, A, you've got to have the right team. You've got to have the right skill set. It's, it's not necessarily someone who's a great technician. It's almost, and you, you, I'm sure you can relate to this, it's about business development, you know, asking open questions. Uh, you know, talk about where are you now? Where do you want to be? What's the gap? How do we help you get there? What are the three or four things that you can start to think about? Who's going to hold you accountable? What the what are the outcomes you want? Um, and you'll remember as well, you know, many years ago, there were, there were programs like, I don't know, the Accountants Bootcamp and where people focused on business development skills. 
And I almost feel sad that we've lost a lot of that in the industry. No one's really focusing on those business development skills. You've got a great talent pool of very talented younger accountants. They're great with social skills, but they're not being taught some of the business development skills that can really expo- you know, open up those conversations, but they're great with soft skills. So I think you know, a lot of firms could benefit from working with people around business development. Just, I'm not asking them to go through any of the Franklin Covey sales courses, but you know, maybe working with external providers just to give them some basic understanding of open questions and how to, to really open those conversations up. But, but the whole point of reporting tools is that it gives you the, the structure, the mechanism, the talking points to make these questions easy. Again, but does it? And I think this is where what we've seen and what I've certainly experienced is you have various stages. You've, you've got, you'll see this online, the DIKW model. Data needs, needs context before it becomes become an insight. Okay. So data in and of itself is meaningless. You're just showing values, measurements. You, you've got to add some context to that. Once you, you have insights, you can then start layering in the insights that turn it into knowledge. Once you have the knowledge, then you start putting in the actionable stuff that turns it into wisdom. And this is where I think a lot of firms are getting stuck at the data part, right? but they're not layering in the context. They're not layering in the, the insight. They're not layering in the knowledge or the wisdom. The successful firms are doing all of that. They know when to approach it and they know the sweet spot of when to hit it. I think that's the, that's the key to it. And it's not just about reporting. It's about KPIs. It's about analysis, benchmarking. And for us as a platform, forecasting now and then driving that up but it's, it's about outcomes and then measuring against those outcomes and you're talking about accountants flipping from looking backwards to looking forwards aren't you yeah absolutely absolutely but i think it's it's so important to understand that that dik that w model the, the data insights knowledge and wisdom model and work through that and what are you actually positioning what are you pitching clients won't want the report they can probably pull some of that off themselves what you're what you're selling is is your knowledge your wisdom to help them get the outcomes that they want. Yes, that makes good sense. And when you look at the reporting tools, different platforms out there, it is competitive. What questions should an accountant be asking themselves when deciding on a, a partner, a tool, a platform, an app to do the reporting and the forecasting? That's, that's, again, that's a good question. I think you've got to ask the questions, does this fit with how we want to approach this? What do I mean by that? Does it give us the flexibility to provide that information on screen, real time, or is it just uh, we're, we're printing an output? We have to think about how our end users are going to consume that. Now, not everyone's going to have, you know, if, let's, let's say, for example, if you're in someone with a, in an FMCG environment, white goods, online sales, um, e-commerce business, where they're looking at, and they've, they've already nailed their KPIs, they know the number of, and we, we've seen it, you know, we've all been into those businesses where we see the TVs on the wall blasting out dashboards, then Fathom's probably not for you. But if you have a client where you're trying to sell a visual product, aesthetically, a highly aesthetic product that fits with your brand, that you can then start to layer in some solid advice, knowledge, and wisdom, and you want to then start to strategically plan ahead for the next two, three, four years, then Fathom's a great tool for that. One of the things we introduced last year, and I don't want to t- turn this into a sales pitch, but we introduced micro forecasts. So micro forecast for us was um, a way in which you could take a, a main forecast grid, your traditional three-way cash flow, take an event like a, a, we were taking out a loan, we want to hire, we want to purchase an additional asset, or hire an individual, and then you could then create an individual standalone forecast for each of those events that you wanted. 
what we then looked at was how do we then use that as a visual aid when sitting with a client? Fathom is designed very much to sit with the client and go through these scenarios. So you're actually giving them the ability to see the decisions they make before they make them. That's the difference. So what we could do, and I would urge anyone to have a look at this online, take a trial, go and have a look at it. You have three or four key events that you want to run through your business over the next 18 months. What we then do is we allow you to slide those events to the dates that you want to start hiring that person, purchase that asset, take that loan out. And the numbers spin in real time, showing you the impact of that. Is it going to be positive? Is it going to be negative? Is it going to leave a shortfall? You can then make the appropriate decisions. So accountants are now sitting with their clients and saying, look, here are three or four options. When is the best time to do this? Clients feel empowered because they're seeing the future almost around that and saying, actually, I can make a decision comfortably because I can see the impact. And if I need to, I can then group those together in a best case scenario, a worst case scenario, or we can start planning for some risk in the business. There's so much to consider, though. There's so many variables in making big decisions like this. We're in a VUCA world, aren't we, Darren? The volatility, the uncertainty, the complexity, the ambiguity. So you can't get it all in a dashboard or a forecast, surely? No. And I I think this is the other thing that that I often hear is you can automate processes. People say, oh, well, we need it automated. Don't get me wrong. Look, the rise of, of machine learning and AI is amazing. It's doing things for us at a process level that we've never had the ability to do. I'm actually all for, you know, empowering AI and machine learning. However, you can automate a process. You can't automate a relationship. And I think that's the part that accountants need to tap more into is is the FaceTime with a client. Yes, the tools are there to do with a lot of the heavy lifting and they do. But ultimately, we want to look at into someone's eyes when we deliver sometimes great news, but equally sometimes you need to deliver bad news in the right way. What do accounting firms get wrong, Darren, when it comes to reporting and analysis and forecasting? That's a great question as well. I think one of the things that I, I, I see now is those firms being successful don't adopt a spray and pray approach. They know who their targets are. They know who their ideal clients are. And I think that's half the battle. I think what I've seen, if anything, over the last five years um, is very successful firms are becoming more like SMEs. I'll give you another example of that. You know, we're not talking of multi-partner firms, equity partners, where you know a partner has all of a sudden got responsibility for being the marketing partner. We're actually seeing firms now adopt a more of a, a CMO approach. They're bringing in external people with a CMO, a CRO. They're running themselves like that way, and I think that's having a, a, such a positive effect. We only have to look at people like the guys at Flinder and others to to look at you know the way that they're they're, they're working and the, and the way they're challenging the status quo. So I think it's the same is that we've really got to get into that gear of understanding who our ideal client customers are. We're not trying to, in the words of Jordan Belfort, we're not trying to sell a pen to somebody who doesn't want to buy a pen. Let's be targeted with this because we do that. There are always low hanging fruit within a firm. Um, So we should be approaching those. We should be looking at the ICPs that we have. They're the ones that are going to value this. What I think is interesting is when we start to really analyze an accounting practice client base, they may only, you know, initially when they start offering MI as a service, for example, they may only pick two or three clients out of a client base of 500. Are you telling me there's not another 10 or 15, 20 clients that warrant that service? So stop thinking of this as as a cost and think of it as an investment you're making to protect that revenue off another services and position it in in the correct way. I think that's the danger is that we we just kind of, you know, assumption kill is the killer of of most business development. I well my clients wouldn't want that. Well have you asked them? 
that's the first point. So I think, yeah, definitely move away from spray and pray. Look at your ideal client profiles. Sell to who's going to value it and look at your top clients and how you can protect that. Because if they feel that you're not offering the services um, and someone comes along and says, yeah, I can do that, you may well lose a client. What's coming up in the future of your space? Not fintech software generally, but reporting and forecasting where you're very squarely based. Look, I, I think what, what keeps me awake is as an organization, as an industry, as, a, as an ecosystem space, how, how do we continue to re, be relevant? How, how are our customers going to interact with our platforms in the next five years? As, as people grow, scale, age, what is, what is that? You know, if we think of succession, those, those, those family members are going to take over businesses now um, that might be in their you know, late teens, early 20s. When they take over those businesses, how are they going to consume those services? Bearing in mind how far technologies come. Are these guys going to suddenly reach out to their smart device and say, hey, what's my cash flow? What's my break even? Technology is going to keep evolving. We have to stay pace with that. We have to deliver value for money in our products. We have to deliver great experience, client experience in, in our products. We have to provide excellent customer support. But that's the kind of stuff that keeps me awake. I remember being part of a, a round table once up in, up in Scotland one evening, and we were talking about this. And we, we were saying, if you look at somebody like IBM and what they've done with Watson, you could put the entire back catalog of corporation tax cases into Watson's memory banks. And therefore, you know, how does a firm compete with Watson if somebody types into Watson, how do I minimize my CGT? That's the stuff we've got to be thinking of is, is how do we stay ahead of that or at least tread water with, with that kind of technology? A lot of firms don't have the purse, the war chests that some of the bigger firms have. So how do we remain relevant? How can we stay that? I think it's the same for app vendors. We've got to continuously develop our products. We, we don't want to just launch a feature because that's what everyone else does. If we're going to launch something, we're going to launch it because it's, it's better. It's, it's, it's a little bit further ahead. But that's what keeps me up is how are people going to consume those services? How do we help our clients and partners stay one step ahead of that so that they're positioned at the front? This is great, Dan. Final question. What advice would you give to the accounting practitioners that want to level up and offer better value to their clients in the complex, challenging world we find ourselves in, particularly when it comes to availing themselves of tools like Fathom? I think there's a number of things. I think, you know, as we said before, one is segment your clients, truly understand. We've spent so many years building out our practice management systems. And I'm sure you know, many listeners in this will have the categories of their clients from A through to D sitting there. But leverage that segmentation. Do they fit your, if you have an ideal client profile, do they fit it? If you're looking to start leveraging reporting, start people on quarterly reporting and then move them to an annual service. There are so many different ways you can really do this. You know, I often think of when you go for an airline and you, and you get that ticket, you know, you're flying out to Brisbane. How good a feeling does, is it that when you get to the gate that someone says, actually, no, I'm going to upgrade you. Can you imagine if you upgrade a service, a client to a service for a few months and deliver that? Yes, there's more work, but you're doing something because it, you're going to get value from it. Um, there's so many ways you can position this. I think, again, look at the team, look at the people in your organizations that want to do more. I don't think... When we talk to accountants, they want to help people. They don't just want to sit there doing um, year-end accounts and bookkeeping. People become accountants because they want to help. So look at the team. Who, who has a, an affinity for doing this type of service? You've got to train them. You've got to invest time with them. This is important to you. We want to be giving the right advice, but you can do it in such a way that whatever advice they give, they're not going to sink the ship. Um, they should be mentored through that and coached. And I think that's where a lot of firms have fallen down. 
I think the other thing that we can do here is um, really start to, to price these services better uh, and value them and introduce them to the right people at the right time. Avoid bottlenecks. And I think that's another reason why a lot of firms have struggled to do it is because generally it's the people at the top that can deliver this service and they need to break free of those bottlenecks. So many great ideas and suggestions here. Darren Glamble, that's been terrific. Thanks so much for your passion and your insights today. It's been welcome. Thanks very much, Rob. This is the Accounting Influencers Podcast with Rob Brown and Martin Bissett.